Soundprints Audio Magazine, a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Soundprints is underwritten by the American Printing House for the Blind and the Louisville Downtown Lions Club. I'm Carla Rushville. I'm your host for this week's magazine. Welcome to Soundprints for the week of May 22, 2022. The Kentucky Council of the Blind has awarded its first assistive technology matching grant for 2022. We have helped purchase a Victor Reader Stream for our KCB member. Additional tech grants and a $1,000 academic scholarship are now available. For more information, call us at 502-895-4598 or visit our website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Registration is now open for the 61st ACB Conference and Convention. You can browse all of the many events available, both on Zoom and in person, in Omaha, Nebraska, by visiting acbconvention.org. Remember that KCB will reimburse the pre-registration fee for any of its members who wish to attend virtually, and we will pay up to seven nights hotel room based on double occupancy, for any member wishing to attend in person. For more information, call the KCB office at 502-895-4598. Call the KCB Zoom line at 669-900-6833 and enter the code 862-9889-6972 to participate in the following events. KCB Next Generation will hold its next Zoom event on Thursday, May 26 at 8 p.m. For more information, contact Ben Wright at 734-968-8211. The Greater Louisville Council of the Blind will have page turners at Roundabout this next Saturday, May 28, on the Zoom line. The time is 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone is welcome to dial in and share good books. KCCLV, the Kentucky Council of Citizens with Low Vision, will hold its next virtual business meeting on Wednesday, June 1 at 8 p.m. on the Zoom line. The Kentucky Council of the Blind will hold a special meeting for all of its members on Sunday, June 5 at 6 p.m. Eastern, also on Zoom. The purpose of this meeting is to share information on the convention attending as a KCB member, participating in person and in Zoom, and to answer any questions that you might have concerning the business at the convention. Members of the ACB Voting Task Force will be on hand to answer questions and give information about voting for everyone on resolutions, constitution and bylaw amendments, and in the elections for ACB board members and members of the ACB Board of Publications. Remember to attend Sunday, June 5 at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. The South Central Kentucky Council of the Blind holds its social hour on Zoom each Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m. Central, 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern. Some weeks there's a speaker, 
Other weeks, there's good conversation, making friends, and sharing tips and ideas. To join the calls, dial 669-900-6833 and enter the code 763-689-4411. SCKCB will also have an in-person lunch and meeting on Sunday, June 5 in Bowling Green. The meeting will take place beginning at 1 p.m. Central Time. For more details, including exact time and location, and to let them know you'll be attending, contact Richard Lindsay, President, at 270-781-1985 or Teresa Eskew, Vice President, at 270-776-6971. The Kentucky School for the Blind Charitable Foundation is sponsoring an archaeology project on the campus of the Kentucky School for the Blind. KSB students, students from the University of Louisville, and individuals from the community are looking for artifacts from the School for the Blacks, which opened in 1884 on the Haldeman Avenue side of the campus and closed after 71 years of operation after the desegregation of the school. Here is an interview from this special event, which took place on Saturday. Key lock on. Williams, I have someone here who knows you. Who's that? Adam Rushable. Oh, how do you do? Yeah. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing good. Carla is not down here with me. She didn't come today. No, she wasn't able to. But uh, all right. But I just wanted to say hello, and of course we know, uh, you know, Sandra and, uh, and Sharon. Crystal and Sharon, and Sharon all you them. know all of them, don't you? Oh, we do. Yes. yes. <laughs> so uh, when I was uh, I in the second grade. Um, that was the first year of desegregation. Is that right? And I had a teacher named Miss Kaufman. Oh, I loved Miss Kaufman. Yes, Susie Kaufman. Susie Kaufman. That's exactly and, right. And she was my second grade teacher. Is that right? And uh, I have a, a digital recorder here. And yes. uh, uh, can you just uh, real quickly tell me your name and then when you were in school here and so on? Just for our Sound Prince magazine. Suppose you ask me questions, I can do better no All right. way. All right, can you tell me, um, uh, Janet Williams, when you went to school uh, at KSB? Um, I started in 1948, 49 school year. Mm -hmm. And I went through 1955 to 56. Okay, and who were some of your teachers? There was a Mary Ella Crenshaw, and there was a Susie Faye Kaufman, and uh, Kevin Harden was the principal, and Bertha Harden was the matron house mother, mm -hmm. and Otis Eads was the band professor mm -hmm. and a teacher, too. Where did you work after leaving KSB then? I went to Chicago. My parents moved to Chicago, and I finished school there. I only went through eighth grade here. And when I went to Chicago, I went to a regular school and finished uh, high school there. Okay, and then you came back to Louisville? And I went to college there for a while mm -hmm. and, was, and got married and... My three daughters were born in, in central Illinois, and then I came back to Louisville. Mm -hmm. So, and then you worked at the printing house? 
I worked at the printing house, but before that, I worked a little bit and took some training at University of Louisville, and I worked in collections. I have a lot of memories here. I bet you do. <laughs> so, well, I appreciate you taking time to talk to me, and um, you know, I hope you enjoy the rest of the day here. Thank you. I have a recorder here, digital, and we have our Sound Prince audio magazine. Okay. That we just celebrate our 20th anniversary. Excellent. Uh, and I was wondering, just could you tell me how the project got started and. I know y'all talked about maybe, what, three years ago or something? Yes, we did. Yes, so three years ago we started talking about this project when we were talking to uh, Paula Penrod and Rick Ricks, and then you too, Mm -hmm. uh, because Rick, even back in the day, had wanted to do a dig out here, an excavation out here, because he believed there was a lot of neat history. So, but, you know, it took some time to make it happen, especially with covid so it has been three years in the making, and now it's finally happening. So, yeah. And so is the Charitable Foundation sponsoring this, or how, how's that being done? So there are several sponsors for this program. Kentucky School for the Blind Charitable Foundation is one. The Kentucky Department of Education is another. KSB, Kentucky School for the Blind, also is involved. And then University of Louisville has several departments also involved in it. In fact, we have seven students who are taking their Maymester course out here. So they are out here for three weeks, six hours a day, five days a week, digging. Okay. So yes, and earning college credit at the same time. Well, that's great, yeah. So there are some artifacts, you say? Yes, so they have found several artifacts, and they've got them on display uh, right here behind you, but it's everything from pieces of bottles to nails with square heads to some things that we're not sure what they are. In fact, one thing I want you to take a look at because I want you to feel and tell us it it almost feels like a a stamp of some sort. It has a C on one side and a G on the other. So we're not sure if it's like a stamp or an embosser type thing. All right. So I want you definitely to feel it and let us know if you think you if you have any idea what it is. So, and a lot I, pr- of I probably won't, but I'll be glad yeah, to look at it. Yes, yes. absolutely. Oh, yes. I, w- I wonder if that could be a magnet. Have y'all tested? But it, it would be like a G or a C, went to, you know, a, a G or yeah. a whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, see, it's solid in there, so I don't know. It is a circular thing with a middle piece that is surrounded on three sides like a horseshoe. Yeah. So that's for my recorder, yes. by the way. So oh, yeah? This uh. is part of a, just be careful because it is sharp even. That's part of a, it's a glass bottle, it yeah. says. Yeah, yeah. Is it okay if I touch the stuff? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, I, I can tell that it is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, what else? What would you do? Yeah, Ooh, this one. Oh, that's cool. I've not seen that. So I'm going to set that yeah. down in there. That's cool. Yeah. Could that be like a piece of jewelry or something that some somebody I think it's wore? A coin. Just a um, coin, huh? Yeah, it's it's covered in rust and dirt and yeah. stuff, so we're not entirely sure, but no. it's sure. about the same size as a quarter. <laughs> and there's an old Coke bottle. You can kind of feel cool. the uh, the oh, yeah. label on it. Wow. 
So they had them back then. <laughs> yeah. They even have Pepsi yeah. too. There's a Pepsi bottle. Oh, really? Somewhere. So both. We're going to grab a cookie. Yeah. Oh, very yeah. neat. All right. Nice. There's like a, a reunion. We saw a lot of folks oh. have come. So, Kenny yeah. Jones. Y'all are doing great. Thank you. Maria Christic from the American Council of the Blind International Relations Committee is our guest on page two. She tells us about their interesting activities that are coming up at the ACB Conference and Convention. And on page three, you'll hear about 22 important events in the history of the NLS Library Program. Let us know what you enjoy, what you would like included on future sound prints, and give us other ideas for future programming. Call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. Page 2. I'm speaking today with Maria Christic, who is the chair of the ACB International Relations Committee, and she's going to be telling us about some great activities that the committee has planned during the ACB convention. You'll want to watch out for them on the registration form. And also about a contest that they have. Maria, you're from Albany, New York? Yes, I am. Maria, the time is yours. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for having me. I've been a SoundPrint uh, listener now for a number of years, so it's great to uh, be a guest. <laughs> um, so I'll start by uh, telling a little about the committee, because there are quite a few folks, as I've come to learn, who uh, don't know about us, or um, they, they might confuse us with the Multicultural Affairs Committee, who I'll mention again, because we are co-sponsoring a couple of convention sessions with them. Um, but we in the International Relations Committee, our mission is to promote the understanding and empowerment of people who are blind or have low vision around the world. So how do we do that? We uh, we put together activities uh, at conventions, such as those that I'm going to be talking about later on, and um, at these events are uh, international guests, as well as, of course, our guests from here in the U.S. They can come together and talk about various facets of the uh, international experience. We've also curated some Braille Forum magazine issues, and we continue to do that, focused on blindness around the world. So we have had articles on um, blindness in various countries, um, India, UAE, South Africa, Bosnia, Germany, Canada, uh, others. We're going to be uh, coming out later this year with a forum issue focused on international travel. Um, we also hold community calls so uh, on the various facets of the international blindness experience. So we've had calls on international travel with guide dogs and uh, holiday traditions around the world. Uh, we recently held a call on Braille around the world, um, and those can all be found uh, on the ACB Community Events podcast, and also the first two can be, and the third one will be in a number of days uh, on our uh, committee website, which I will mention shortly. Um, we've also provided some um, blindness-related material and equipment to those in emerging nations. Um, we have several years back, we provided some Braille materials to Tanzania. More recently, we've provided uh, several of our members contributed uh, Perkins Brailers, or a couple of those for um, a school for the blind in Ethiopia, for example. 
and um, providing assistance where possible um, during natural disasters. So, um, for instance, we had provided some assistance uh, when Hurricane um, Ria hit Puerto Rico. Um, and in terms of our current uh, item, certainly we are uh, supportive of ACB uh, making a, a donation and um, soliciting funds for the uh, Ukraine Unity Fund that is put uh, together by the World Blind Union. And you can actually still go to uh, acb.org slash Ukraine, and there is a uh, donate link there if you feel uh, moved to to contribute um, to assisting the blind uh, and low vision uh, population in that area of the world. And so the links to uh, all of our prior events, the, the presentations from convention, the calls, the forum, um, they can all be, and also in, uh, information about these special projects that are ongoing and some of the materials that um, have been requested by our partner organizations that if you wish to um, contribute any of that, if you have extras lying around, um, you can see uh, all of that on our committee webpage. The easiest way to go to that is to type acb.org slash committees, so that's plural committees, and then uh, you'll see all of our great ACB committees listed there, and you select uh, international relations, and you will reach our uh, website. So um, with that, I'm going to move to our convention-related activities. And before I actually get to um, activities related uh, to the actual convention sessions, I want to tell you about our International Voices Contest. And this is something that we're doing for the first time this year, something we're introducing, and we want to make this an annual event. Uh, we know that, you know, our conventions are just so information-packed, and we do have uh, people who come from uh, international countries to uh, gain information and to network and um, to, to bring what they have learned back to their countries. And, of course, it's also win-win because ACB receives more uh, exposure abroad. And so we would like to uh, make that a little bit easier for several folks. Um, what we're going to be providing to the uh, winners of the contest is the convention registration fee. So paying that for five attendees and uh, or five, uh, I guess, participants, I could say, because uh, if you, you can be attending um, virtual or in person. Uh, and the winner will be able to address a general session during convention. So just to clarify, this is the registration fee. So if someone is wishing to attend virtually, that is the only fee involved. So that means that they would be able to attend the convention for free. Uh, and if someone did wish to come in person, they would be responsible for other uh, items like uh, hotel fees, um, any ticketed events that they wish to attend and such. This is covering the registration fee for convention. So how to participate. Uh, we have already gotten a few submissions and we would like to see more. So um, anyone who resides outside of U.S. is eligible. Uh, and, and just to clarify, U.S. includes 
its territories as well. So you have to reside outside of the U.S. and its territories to be eligible. And to participate, we are asking for an audio recording of up to 10 minutes in length discussing your blindness-related experiences in your country, uh, your message to the blindness community in the United States, and why you wish to attend the uh, ACB convention. And so... Um, if you are interested in submitting an audio file for consideration, you can send that to me. Um, I can give my email address here, but again, it is also on our committee webpage, so I do encourage you to yeah, go ahead and give it right here. Yep, absolutely. So my email is my first name, M-A-R-I-A, and then a period, and then my last name, so K-R-I-S. T-I-C at gmail.com. And we are looking for all of these submissions to be in by June 8th, and we will be announcing decisions by June 15th. So we look forward to hearing your voice. And so with that, I can now move to the actual convention session. So we have got four exciting sessions happening at this year's convention a couple that are Zoom sessions during the Zoom-only portion and a couple that are uh, hybrid sessions uh, during the hybrid portion of the event. So as I go through these, by the way, uh, if you are browsing convention sessions via the acbconvention.org website, you will see that uh, a couple of the panelists that I mention are not there, and that is because they were added uh, after that information was uh, submitted. However, they are in the, uh, they, they will be in the uh, final program for the convention. So um, do look out uh, for that when that program is released. So um, starting right off with the first full day of Zoom-only uh, convention on that 23rd of June, uh, at and all of these times are in central time because that is the uh, official time zone for this year's convention since it's being held in Omaha, Nebraska, which is on central time. So on the 23rd of June, which is a Thursday, so from 10 a.m. to 11.15 a.m. central time, we are holding a Zoom session focusing on international programs of U.S. organizations for the blind. So um, these are, we're calling this reaching beyond their borders. And so this is one that we have gotten questions about these organizations and um, what opportunities they have in the international space. And it's something we've been curious about ourselves. So we're going to be um, learning about what the uh, programs, uh, how they got started, um, what uh, they're, they're currently doing, and, and what participants can expect and who can participate, um, and some of their success stories, and um, where the uh, directors or coordinators uh, of those uh, see the programs going uh, in the future. So on that panel, we're going to have uh, someone first who's no stranger to ACB, and that's Mark Reichert, because he is the international, and he's coming in his role as the international program, international program coordinator for the Overbrook School for the Blind. We'll also be having Catherine Holland joining us. She's the exec, uh, per, the uh, executive director of International Perkins School for the Blind. And we will also be joined by Lee Kumutat, who is the vice president of communications for the Lighthouse 
for the blind and visually impaired of San Francisco, who uh, you may know, and she'll be speaking about their uh, Holman Prize Award. Mm-hmm. Then on the uh, that. Friday, the 24th of June, and this is a session that we are coordinating with the Multicultural Affairs Committee on, so thank you to them. From 1 p.m. to 2.15 p.m., we're going to be talking with uh, Kelsey Corlett-Rivera, who is the NLS Foreign Language Librarian, about their efforts to expand their foreign language collection. So we'll be talking about some of their projects in that space, how are they implementing the Marrakesh Treaty in the U.S., um, what types of language materials they will have, and so forth. So um, do join us for that. We all know about the, the English collection of uh, NLS, but they have a growing uh, foreign language collection as well. And then shifting into the hybrid uh, part, so on the 3rd of July, so that's Sunday, from 5.30 to 6.45 p.m., and again, this is Central, we're having a hybrid session, and this is a conversation with the World Blind Union CEO, Mark Workman. He's based out of uh, Edmonton in Alberta, Canada, um, and he will be there uh, in person. He's going to be addressing the general session that Sunday morning, and so this is a great opportunity to uh, talk with him, hear from him directly in a more uh, intimate, smaller gathering and conversation. So we'll be finding out about um, his journey to the uh, CEO position, uh, what he sees as some of the uh, challenges facing the blind community globally and how the World Blind Union is uh, working to address those, and um, if he's seeing any kinds of uh, trends in the international approaches to blindness, which could be applied uh, in North America here. So that should be an interesting uh, session as well. And finally, last but most certainly not least, uh, something that we have become quite well known for and are happy to be continuing, uh, and that is the Voices Around the World Luncheon, and that is on the 4th of July. So the luncheon, uh, counting that portion, again, this is a hybrid event, um, so the luncheon itself and the program, that whole event is from 12.15 to 2.15 p.m. Central. The lunch, if you will, portion will not be uh, on Zoom, as is the case with all of the convention luncheons. So the program part, which will be hybrid, uh, that will be from 1 p.m. to 2.15 p.m. And this is going to be focusing, we're focusing this year on, uh, we're calling it a tapestry of stories, and we're focusing on success stories of immigrants here to the U.S. So we all know how, you know, difficult it can be, for example, to find employment as someone who's blind or visually impaired. And so now with uh, our our panelists, they have the additional layer of being immigrants to this country and um, adding on just the the transition to a new um, culture and uh, a new uh, beginning. And so um, we hope that this will be motivating and inspiring. We'll have a couple of um, panelists on Zoom and a couple in person. We're going to be uh, having uh, the panelists for that will be uh, Aditi Shah, who is a senior data and applied scientist at Microsoft. She is originally from India. We're going to have Merisa Mustamich, who is an interpreter with Language Line Solutions. She's originally from Bosnia. We're going to have um, Gabriel Lopez Kafati, who is no stranger to ACB either. He is an access resource advisor from Miami Dade College. He's originally from Honduras. And we're going to have Saja Koirala, who is a contract specialist.
specialist with the United States Air Force, and she is originally from Nepal. And so we'll be finding out what motivated them to uh, immigrate and what their transition uh, to life in the U.S. was like, their um, educational and employment journey, what life is like for them now, and um, you know, what, any, what kind of advice they would give to um, immigrants here or to those uh, seeking employment. So that wraps up our uh, very full convention session, and I would definitely encourage all of you to come and join us. I think you will be uh, inspired, and I think you will learn some interesting facts and have some uh, new perspectives to ponder. And again, I want to encourage you to visit our uh, website for the International Relations Committee, acb.org slash committees, and select the International Relations Committee. So thank you so now, much, Maria. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now, all of these things will appear on the registration form, but the only one that requires a ticket will be the lunch. If you're going to be going to Omaha and you wish to um, attend the lunch, you will need to purchase a ticket for that on registration. Can you tell us how much the tickets are for pre-registration and registration? For the, for the lunch? Yes, and that is a great question. Yes, so the pre-registration ticket price is going to be $34, and the uh, on-site registration price will be $38. So we would encourage you to register now using the oh, yes. form. Uh, you'll save a few dollars. Right, exactly. And so um, uh, the, it, it's a little different than before covid in that you used to sometimes have registration fees for some of the workshops in addition to um, lunches and things like that. But if it is not an event that has food or if it's not an event that has some other aspect of it that um, that would require payment, um, all of those activities are included in your registration. And so it's a great deal. You can... You can pick and choose and go to as many different things as you want to. And uh, so in the case of IRC, um, there's there's just one event that does have a charge. The, the neat thing about it is that everyone who, whether they be in Omaha or not, will be able to participate, who registers, will be able to participate in the virtual aspect of it and... Um, we'll be able to. Um, you can actually on Zoom. You can. You can. Um, you know, sometimes ask questions or participate if there's time um, by comments or whatever. And uh, even if you don't do that, um, you also will be able to listen on ACB Media to a lot of the events. So this. All these events are truly going to reach everyone around the world because they have the opportunity to participate, to listen, and to um, be part of the conversation. It, it, Absolutely. They sound like wonderful events, Maria. They really do. You've got an impressive lineup with this committee this year. 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I certainly appreciate the opportunity to come on to Soundprints and uh, share about all the great work that uh, my committee is uh, working on and putting together. We've got um, a great committee this year. We have several new members, and uh, it's been great to uh, work with them to put on a, a great program. So we're definitely looking forward to bringing that to all of you. Well, it's going to be a super, super convention with with just some really, really impressive programs, and um, we will be highlighting several of them as we count down the convention. But you're getting us off to a great start here um, because you truly have uh, a, a wide variety of, of people that are participating in these four activities. You know, Voices from Around the World has has been um, happening for quite some time, and there's usually been another activity, but I'm not sure that I remember there being as many as four different um, four different programs that relate to international relations. So, you know, you y'all are doing really great work, and um, I look forward to going to your website and seeing uh, all the things that are going on. So we really appreciate you being here today and taking the time to talk with us. And would you like to give your email again and maybe a phone number where people can contact you if they have more inf- more um, questions about International Relations Committee and maybe how they can get involved and, and, and participate in a lot of this great work? Absolutely. So my email again, so it's my first name period and then my last name. So it's M like Mike, A like Alpha, or like Romeo, I like India, and A like Alpha, and then a period, and then K like Kilo, R like Romeo, I like India, S like Sierra, T like Tango, I like India, and C like Charlie, and then at gmail.com. And my number is uh, US number, so one, and then area code is 845. And it's 901 And that is going to an iPhone. And if you happen to be calling from outside U.S., and, for example, if you'd prefer to use WhatsApp, I have that too. So I'm happy to um, communicate that way as well. So I would definitely encourage, if you'd like to reach out, please feel free to contact me. And, again, that information, if you missed it, is on our website as well. So thank you so much, Carla, for having me. Thank you. And just to review, um, you can get to the committee's website by going to acb.org slash committees. Correct. um, And you can choose the committee that you want to uh, read about. From I'm assuming that that the list comes up um, where you can pick the committee that you want to. Yes, want. there are a bunch of there are links on that yes. page to each committee. Yes, yes. So select the IRC link. International. Yep, it'll say International Relations Committee. Relations committee. Yep. yep, and you'll be right there. Well, thank you, Maria. It's been great, and I wish you all the best with your convention activities. I appreciate it. Thanks, Carla. Page 3, News Magazine, published by the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled, published January through March 2022. Special Issue, 22 Days That Shaped NLS History, 
As we start 2022, we take a look back at 22 key events that made the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled what it is today. The Beginning March 3, 1931 American soldiers fought in World War I for only six months, but they suffered a terrible toll. More than 53,000 killed in battle and another 200,000 wounded, many of them blinded by gas attacks or shrapnel. Concern for the boys who were blinded in the recent war led Congress in the 1920s to authorize the U.S. Veterans Bureau to buy books in raised type for blinded soldiers. And in 1930, World War I veterans were very much on the minds of Representative Ruth Platt of New York and Senator Reed Smoot of Utah as they introduced identical bills to appropriate money to the Library of Congress to provide books for adults with vision loss. The Pratt-Smoot Act became law on March 3, 1931, the date we commemorate as the founding of NLS. It was only 137 words, but in addition to setting an annual appropriation of some $100,000 for books for the blind, the Pratt-Smoot Act established the framework for the NLS network of cooperating libraries and stipulated that veterans receive priority service, a commitment that NLS still honors. Four months later, the Library of Congress's project, Books for the Adult Blind, began operations. Its mission, quote, to furnish blind readers with the best literature in all fields of knowledge, end of quote. In the first year, the library selected 157 books to be produced in raised type, starting with Woodrow Wilson's biography of George Washington. The following items in this article are arranged by calendar date. The first is January 4, 1809. Celebrated as World Braille Day, January 4 is also the birthday, in 1809, of Louis Braille. His raised dot system of reading and writing, introduced in 1829, revolutionized literacy and education for the blind, though it would take almost a century for it to win out over competing tactile writing systems. The Library of Congress Reading Room for the Blind, predecessor to NLS, once held books in many of those systems. In 1919, however, it began training and certifying Braille transcribers, marking Braille's conclusive victory as the tactile writing system of choice in the U.S. Today, the NLS collection includes more than 50,000 books in hard copy Braille and more than 16,000 in electronic Braille. January 14, 2011 Two years after it began producing talking books on digital cartridges, NLS completes its analog to digital transition. From 1968 to 2011, NLS produced 57,245 talking book titles on cassette tapes and distributed more than 49 million copies of those books to its national network of libraries.
the last cassette shipped American food writing an analogy in classic recipes fast forward to 2021 fiscal year when NLS circulated 15.3 million digital audio cartridges and patrons downloaded more than 4.3 million digital audio books and magazines from Bard. February 1967, when NLS staff and collections moved from the main Library of Congress campus to a dedicated facility nearly five miles away on Taylor Street Northwest, they were told the location would be temporary. Not until 1978 was the building that still houses NLS today, 55 years after the move, confirmed as a permanent home. Since then, the large two-story facility, former home of the American Ice Company, has been through multiple renovations, beginning with the addition of a recording studio in 1971. March 2, 1899. Congress passes an act lowering postage on letters written by people who are blind. It is the first such act benefiting the blind in the United States, allowing unsealed letters with raised characters to be mailed at third-class rates, but be treated as first-class. Five years later, Congress funded the Free Matter for the Blind program so organizations and people like NLS and its patrons could mail Braille materials for free. March 4, 1933. On his last day in office, President Hoover signed an amendment to the Pratt-Smoot Act allowing the Librarian of Congress to purchase talking book records. The first one produced for the library was Coleridge's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. Two years later, the library had 27 talking book titles. Today, more than 103,000 are available on Bard, and books in audio, originally an accommodation for blind readers, are everywhere. March 26, 2012 Karen Kininger becomes the first blind person to be named director in NLS's history. Kininger previously led the Iowa Department for the Blind and before that the Iowa Library for the Blind and Physically Handicapped. She was a strong advocate for Braille, oversaw many improvements in service, and raised NLS's international profile through her work promoting the Marrakesh Treaty. and by speaking at symposia around the world, often accompanied by Jim, her guide dog. Upon her retirement in 2021, she was succeeded by Jason Broughton, formerly Vermont's state librarian. May 8, 2019 The Marrakesh Treaty comes into full force in the United States, providing for the exchange of accessible format books across international borders by organizations that serve people who are blind, visually impaired, and print disabled. 
The treaty has helped NLS vastly increase the number of foreign language books in the collection and has allowed NLS to share its own digital collection with similar organizations around the world. May 16, 2010 At NLS's Biennial National Conference in Des Moines, Iowa, Director Frank Kurt Silke presents the Pioneers, the National Organization of Telecom Employees and Retirees, with a plaque recognizing the group's 50 years of repairing talking book magazines. In 1960-2010, to 2010, Pioneers Chapters repaired 3.6 million talking book machines, saving taxpayers more than $200 million. Pioneers volunteers are still an important part of the machine repair program, though today's digital talking book machines are much sturdier than the phonographs and cassette players of the past. June 1935. The American Foundation for the Blind produces, in mimeographed form, the first edition of Talking Book Bulletin, later renamed Talking Book Topics. AFB developed the first talking books and worked closely with the Library of Congress project. Books for the Adult Blind, TBT, is now in its 88th year and is available in a variety of formats, online in HTML and PDF, and in audio on cartridge and through BARD and BARD Mobile. June 19-22-2013 NLS and the Perkins School for the Blind in Massachusetts team up for the Future of Braille, a four-day gathering that brings together users and technical experts to solicit ideas on ways libraries can promote and support Braille literacy. Proceedings from the Braille Summit, as well as a consultant's study that documented the cost savings of moving to fully digital Braille, helped get the legislative changes needed for NLS to provide refreshable Braille displays to patrons who can't afford expensive commercial models. NLS currently is pilot testing two models of a refreshable Braille display or e-reader for future distribution. June 27, 1880. Born on this date, Helen Keller was an ardent supporter of women's suffrage, labor rights, world peace, and NLS. Quote, books are the eyes of the blind, end of quote, she told Congress in 1930 while campaigning for what would become the Library of Congress's project, Books for the Adult Blind. Quote, With our hands plunged into an interesting book, we feel independent and happy. While she was initially dubious about the value of talking books, she came around by 1935 telling President Roosevelt that they were, quote, the most constructive aid to the blind since the invention of Braille. End of quote. July 3, 1952. NLS extends service to children. The 1931 legislation that established NLS was titled An Act 
to provide books for the adult blind. Two decades later, Representative Kenneth M. Reagan of Texas took to the floor of the House to point out the consequences of that name. Quote, Children between the ages of 12 and 16 could not use these books unless they did so surreptitiously. End of quote. His simple solution, dropping the word adult from the title of the act, passed the House by voice vote without objection, and the revised bill became law on this date. August 24, 1999. Web Braille is launched. Quote, the best thing to come along since the Interpoint embosser, end of quote, Access World magazine said. With an initial library of 2,600 digital Braille titles, the online download service was NLS's first experiment with download distribution. It taught NLS valuable lessons about scalability and customer service expectations that shaped the development of BARD, the Braille and Audio Reading Download Service. Web Braille merged with BARD in 2013. July 30, 1966, President Johnson signs a bill extending NLS services to people with disabilities. In 1962, Representative Glenn Cunningham of Nebraska had championed a change to the law governing NLS with a bill to, quote, extend the benefits of the talking book program to quadriplegics, persons who have lost the use of both arms and both legs and lost those limbs, end of quote. Four years later, a revised bill expanding service to individuals with physical disabilities and low vision finally passed the vote. Quote, I did not believe then, and I do not believe now, that any person desiring to further his or her education or cultural abilities should be deprived of the opportunity to do so because of physical handicaps. Cunningham declared. September 16, 1996. President Clinton signs a bill introduced by Senator John H. Chaffee of Rhode Island allowing NLS to reproduce or distribute copies of previously published non-dramatic literary works in accessible formats exclusively for use by print disabled persons. Previously, NLS had to request permission from publishers to reproduce copyrighted works in audio or braille. The Chafee Amendment has been amended several times, most recently in 2018 to include all literary works and incorporate the Marrakesh Treaty. September 19, 1935, President Roosevelt signs an executive order transferring $211,500 to the Library of Congress for production of 5,000 talking book magazines, phonographs modified to play 33 and a third RPM talking books instead of 78 RPM music records. Helen Keller and the AFB's executive director had met with Roosevelt to lobby for the appropriation. 
the library appointed AFB to supervise the production and distribution of machines, which were loaned to libraries around the country. Prior to this, AFB sold talking book magazines at cost, but during the Depression, few blind people could afford them. NLS continues to loan talking book machines to patrons, but now they play books recorded on digital cartridges. September 20, 2013, the Bard mobile app is launched in the App Store, allowing patrons to read NLS books and magazines on their own iOS devices. Updates and new versions of the app, including one for Android devices, offer users the ability to instantly download books, magazines, and music materials in audio and electronic braille to the smartphones and tablets. October 1, 2019, NLS, known as the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped since 1978, changes its name to the National Library Service for the Blind and Print Disabled. NLS patrons, network libraries, and advocacy organizations provided input on the name change, which sheds outdated language that some found offensive and outlines more clearly who NLS serves. October 9, 1962. NLS adds music materials to its offerings. Senator Wayne Morse of Oregon was the first and leading supporter of NLS Music Service in Congress. Quote, This universal language, he told the Senate on January 7, 1960, has helped the visually handicapped to lead richer lives and to communicate with others. Furthermore, Braille musical scores have enabled many blind people to become gainfully employed. End of quote. After two years bouncing between the Senate and House, his proposal was signed into law on this date adding Braille, audio, and large print music instructions and appreciation materials to the NLS collection, now the largest of its kind in the world. November 11, Veterans Day. Service to our nation's veterans has been a cornerstone of the national program from its beginnings in 1931. In the photo shown in the print edition in 1944, Two World War II airmen enjoy an NLS talking book record. NLS is proud of the partnership it maintains with the Department of Veterans Affairs and the Blinded Veterans Association. December 21, 1829 Laura Bridgman may be less of a household name than Helen Keller, but she paved the way for her more famous successor as the first deafblind child to receive a formal education. Born on this date, 50 years before Keller, Bridgman studied at Perkins School for the Blind under the tutorship of Samuel Gridley Howe and gained international fame when Charles Dickens described meeting her in American Notes. If you have questions about the Kentucky Council of the Blind, or you need information on resources for people with vision loss, call us at 502-895-4598 or email us at kcb at kentucky-acb.org. 
Sound Prince is a production of the Kentucky Council of the Blind and is heard each week on ACB Radio Mainstream at acbradio.org, Central Kentucky Radio I at radioi.org, and the KCB website at www.kentucky-acb.org. Complete schedule information is also available on the website. Sound Prince is underwritten by the Louisville Downtown Lions Club and by the American Printing House for the Blind. This is Carla Rushable for Soundprints. Have a great week, everybody.